You're listening to the Daily Mishnah Podcast with Benedict. So we think that the Masechet of Megillah, the tractate of the Scroll of Esther, is about reading the Scroll of Esther. But what we found is that more than half of it is actually about reading from the Torah. And I wanted, I just wanted to remark that in the middle of the tractate of Megillah in the Gemara, the Gemara offers the opinion that all subsequent um, interpretations of the sages, all of the later interpretations of the sages were revealed to Moshe, including the reading of the Megillah. In other words, that rabbinic Judaism was somehow in, in some mystical way revealed to Moshe on the mountain. And the we've already said that the Megillah, uh, the scroll of Esther and the festival of Purim that, that it describes is the first festival to take place outside the land of Israel and in diaspora. And it's as if the rabbis are reminding us that there, there's just there's a there's a single continuum between verbal and written Torah, between early and late Torah, that we can't make any differences. So even though we're in diaspora and we're organizing the life of the synagogue and how we deal with selling a building or with uh, or with um, uh, heretics who walk into shul and want to be a a, a, a baal to filler, even though we're dealing with the 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 day-to-day business of running a shul in diaspora was still very conscious of our connections to Torah. And remember, we began the Masachet by remembering Yehoshua Bindon. We actually began the Masachet going right back to the original conquest of the land. And we're going to finish the Masachet with a discussion about what portions of the Torah and the Tanakh we actually read out loud. As if to say that the Torah is there, but the rabbis actually determine, the rabbis actually determine how we deal with it and how we read with it. And uh, you remember we we finished yesterday on the question of uh, a Torah reader who, uh, who adulterates the Torah without p- permission. He substitute, substitutes um, a um, expression relating to sexual relationships with a Gentile woman instead of a verse in Vayikra, which refers to idolatry. And in that case, we silence him with a rebuke. We do not allow individuals in the synagogue to change the Torah reading. But but the rabbis may sometimes make go take a step towards an exception. They don't change the reading, but they may not read it. And so the last Mishnah begins. Ma'aser Uven nikra velo mitargem. The deed of Reuven, this is Reuven, um, this is Reuven's sexual relationship with Bilha, his father's concubine. Ma'aser Uven nikra velo mitargem. We read it out. It's part of the Torah. We have to read it out, but we don't translate it. So we don't. If you like, we don't make it obvious to everybody in the shul what is going on. And that is, of course, because it's embarrassing to Reuven. But Ma'ase Tamar, 
the deed of Tamar. Now, this is Tamar's relationship with her father-in-law, Yehuda. The deed of Tamar, Nikra Umitargem. The deed of Tamar is read and is translated. And here, the, the clear, we get a sense here as to the theme here, because the theme is not just about sexual propriety. Both of these stories entail sexual relationships, but the first one is shameful for Ruven, whereas the second one is not shameful for Yehuda. Yehuda, at the end of the story, comes out by doing the right thing. In fact, some people would say, look, it's Yehuda's doing the right thing in uh, by Tamar is the preface for his reconciliation with Yosef in the next Pasha and the and, and 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 you know Yehuda's ability to admit that he's wrong is the the quality that makes him fit for future kingship. So the deed of Tamar is not shameful for Yehuda. We read it and we translate it. The first deed of the of the golden calf, and I think this is the first half of the story up to Vayifen Vayered Minahar that just the beginning of the story until the people worship the calf and Moshe has told the story on the mountain and he prays for forgiveness on the mountain and God agrees not to destroy the Jewish people. And it is embarrassing to the Jewish people, but in a, you could say, in a national sense, not in a personal sense. Nikra umitargem. It's read and it's translated. And this is when Moshe comes down from the mountain. And he accuses Aaron of having of having allowed this to take place. The second is read, but is not translated. As if we're nervous about the shame to Aaron from just Moshe's um from Moshe's um post-mortem on what happened with the golden calf. Birkat Kohanim. The blessing of the priests, the stories of David and Amnon are not read or translated. They're neither read nor translated. This is really interesting. Why can't we? Well, I think we can perhaps understand why the stories of David and Amnon are not read or translated. I mean, this the story of David is, of course, David and Bathsheba, which is personally embarrassing to David. And Amnon, we're talking about the Amnon's rape of Tamar. It, both of these are, are, are embarrassing to David and Amnon. So we can understand why they're not read or translated. But what is it about Birkat Kohanim? And the commentators do puzzle over this one. Perhaps it's anthropomorphic. Um, God will lift up his face towards you and will be gracious to you. Um, does God really have a face? Maybe that is what's going on in in that in, in those psukim. It's not quite clear. And by the way, nowadays we do read Birkat Kohanim. So when we come to that portion of the Torah, we absolutely do read. So we're not consistent with the Mishnah, and we'll see in the next example we continue to be inconsistent with it. Ein maftirin v'merkava. We don't conclude with the portion of the chariot as a haftarah. The chariot is the first chapter of Yechezkiah. 
Ve'Rabbi Yehuda Matir, and Rabbi Yehuda allows it. Now, the first chapter of Yechezkel is the description of the of, it's the, the description of the chariot. It's Yechezkel's vision of seeing God in his temple. We do actually follow the the halacha according to Rabbi Yudan. We actually read it on the first day of Shavuot, so it's parallel to the giving of the Torah. So we we go with Rabbi Yudan there. Rabbi Eliezer Omer, Ein Maftirim, but Hodat, but at Yerushalayim. Rabbi Eliezer says, sorry, the translation says Rabbi Eliezer, but it's Rabbi Eliezer. Rabbi Eliezer says, we don't make a haftarah of Hoda at Yerushalayim. This is the 16th chapter of Yechezkel. It's a, actually, I brought it for you. It's quite a powerful chapter. Um, God, the word of the Lord came to me, and then he's saying, Ben Adam, who died, Yerushalayim, et toavoteha. Let Jerusalem know her abominations. And then he goes on to say, your origin, your nativity was, was Canaanite. The Amorite was your father. Your mother was a Hittite. We can see perhaps why Rabbi Eliezer doesn't like reading this out as a Haftarah. And Today, we don't read it generally as a Haftarah, but there are there are Geniza fragments that suggest it was once read as a Haftarah in um, in essentially in Cairo for the book for the Parsha of Shemot. So, again, perhaps here we it's not quite clear whether we do or whether we don't go according to Rabbi Eliezer. But what is clear is that. We do follow the rabbis in our interpretation of the written text, that we have the written text and we respect the written text, but it's impossible to approach it without the verbal Torah. That's a, that's a, a lesson that Hillel teaches one of his converts. And perhaps that's what's coming out at the end of Tractate Megillah. And we'll close there. Hadran Alach Masechet Megillah. Vehadrach Alan will return to you, Tractate Megillah, and you will return to us. Da'atan Alach Masechet Megillah, Vedatach Alan. Our mind is on you, Tractate Megillah, and your mind is on us. Lo Minach Masechet Megillah, Velo Minan. We won't forget you, Tractate Megillah, and you will not forget us. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Daily Mishnah Podcast with Benedict.